There's something curious about this broadcast. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. This is TGP nominal. Commence episode now. All systems remain nominal. Nominal, nominal, nominal. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TGP Nominal, your monthly look at all things science fact and science fiction. As it's the beginning of the month, we bring you our sky guide for the month ahead in conjunction with UK Astronomy. But before we crack on with that, I'd like to tell you about a few changes to the podcast that are hopefully going to fall into place as of next month. As I've mentioned in the past, because of his increasingly busy schedule, Ross Hockham hasn't been able to join me live for the sky guides in recent months and has been sending them to me pre-recorded to play into the show. Also, the objects of the month have been absent for a while. As a result of these issues, the length of the episodes hasn't been what you would expect. As of March 2023, John Berger will be joining me each month for our usual transatlantic banter. Don't worry, the Sky Guide isn't going anywhere. When Ross made his debut on TGP Nominal back in 2017, the Sky Guide was a segment of the main show, and we've decided to bring it back into the fold. In addition to this, each month, Will from Twice Brewed Stargazing and Will Photography has a agreed to bring you his objects of the month and occasionally we might ask guests what their favourite object in the night sky is. We hope you will enjoy these changes and keep coming back for our unique brand of edutainment. So we're going to take a short break and when we return it's time for Ross's Sky Guide for February. you could put on a special pair of glasses and look up into the night sky, you would see something amazing. A sky full of exoplanets, planets orbiting stars beyond our own solar system. A team of superhero space telescopes, in a sense, has done just that. Using powerful technology, they've peered into space, discovering thousands of these distant planets and unveiling their secrets. The first exoplanet discoveries were very down to earth. They were made from the ground. Pioneering new techniques, ground-based telescopes began capturing evidence of giant, scorchingly hot planets around other stars. But to see exoplanets more clearly, including small rocky worlds like our own, telescopes needed a boost. We began launching them into space, lifting them above Earth's atmosphere. This superhero team of space telescopes, Hubble, Chandra, Spitzer, Kepler, and Tess, were free from all the noise and interference from Earth's atmosphere, jittering air molecules, scattering light, clouds, and moisture. And the curtain parted on a galaxy crowded with exoplanets, giant ones, tiny ones, rocky and gaseous, deep frozen and superheated, planets with two or three suns, super Earths, mini Neptunes, and worlds that were just plain weird, like nothing we had ever seen before. And now, a new marvel of technology joins NASA's team, the James Webb Space Telescope. Its infrared vision can peer into the atmospheres of exoplanets, expanding what we know about distant worlds. 
High on the list of odd exoplanets to observe is a terrifying place where it might rain glass sideways. This exoplanet is called HD 189733b, and it's a hot Jupiter, a giant gaseous world that hugs its star in such a tight orbit that its temperature is more than 1,700 degrees Fahrenheit. Its winds howl at more than 5,400 miles per hour. HD 189733b has been a favorite target of our space telescopes. Spitzer measured its temperature and winds. Hubble discovered that the planet's clouds are deep blue due to the raining glass or silicates. And Chandra observed its star in X-rays, watching the planet's shadow as it passed in front of the star. A much larger shadow than previously thought because huge amounts of the planet's atmosphere are evaporating into space. NASA's next great observatory, the James Webb Space Telescope, will also turn its supervision on HD 189733b. Like Spitzer, it sees in powerful infrared light, but Webb's vision will penetrate far more deeply into this planet's atmosphere and others than ever before. What will it find? Put it all together and it's a super team. Extraordinary telescopes, exceptional vision, and mind-expanding exoplanet discoveries. On canvas with paint in the artist's school, it is red that is hot and blue that is cool. But in science we show, as the heat gets higher, a star will glow red like the coals of a fire. Raise the heat some more and what is in sight? Behold, the star glows bright white. But the hottest of all, I say unto you, is neither red nor white when a star has turned blue. This is TGP Nominal. Well, hello and welcome to the uh, UK Astronomy Sky Guide for February. Now, the main thing we're going to talk about, of course, is this comet. It's been in the news a lot from what I've seen and all over social media. And loads of people are trying to go out and see it. We did speak about it last month and it has indeed put on a bit of a show for some people. We said loads of pics being posted into UK Astronomy Facebook group. There have been some fantastic trails and tails sweeping across the sky that people have done time lapses for and things like that. It's really cool and people have really seen some good stuff. Most of people seem to be using telescopes to actually see it. I have seen that some people with binoculars have managed to pick it up, but it does depend on the skies and how much light pollution is in your area. I haven't actually heard of anyone seeing it by eye yet, but you never know. I think it's going to get dimmer from what I've heard. It's not going to get brighter from what the main synopsis was of what's going on at the moment across social media. So I've just written a little guide just to try and maybe follow it over the next month or so. So you'll be able to actually hopefully follow it across the sky and find it. Fingers crossed. So on the 6th of Feb, the comet C2022E3ZTF passes the Kids Asterism in Auriga, which is a grouping of three stars making a sort of triangle. So you've got a really bright star, Capella in Auriga, which is the constellation, and it's known as the Goat Star. And then just below it, there's two stars I believe are actually part of the constellation, and there's one kind of on its own, but they call them the Kids. Fun enough, it's all about goats for some reason, not sure why. That's going to be just there. Now, they have been saying that it may just about be visible to the naked eye in good conditions. But it does seem to be a bit of a mixed bag at the moment, as some people are finding it really easily, with others struggling. But this may be, as I said, due again to atmospheric conditions, light pollution in different areas, 
whereabouts you are, depending on the night you go, whether the moon's up or not, things like this. So at the moment it does seem to be more of a telescope object and with cameras bringing out some really awesome details. But have a look there on the 6th, you may be able to spot it, hopefully with some binoculars, maybe by eye, but it's not looking good at the moment from what I've seen. On the 11th, the comet then moves down into Taurus the ball. So it's not that far from the red planet Mars. It's going to be around the sort of area bottom left of the planet, heading slowly towards the ball's head over the next couple of days. I say slowly. From what I've seen, each night it actually does move pretty quick in the sky. It does go quite far. So by the end of the month, it's actually going to make a good bit of distance through the sky. Moving on to the 13th. The comet will then pass NGC 1647, making a really quite a good photo to be fair, good photo opportunity if you've got a camera out there. It's a lovely open cluster in Taurus and it has over 90 stars. It's great to spot, especially see with binoculars as well as you're hunting the comet. So you're going to have the cluster and the comet together in one picture maybe, maybe in one field of view of your binoculars as well. I reckon it probably would be and it would look really awesome. So I actually do look forward to seeing any pictures that you guys get because it is a really nice cluster with a comet sitting there as well. I think it's just kind of below it to the left maybe. So a really good opportunity to pop out and find it there. 14th, Aldebaran, Aldebaran, if whatever you want to call it. It's a massive red giant star that represents Taurus the bull's eye. So it's looking down from us from the scars, this big bull's sort of head. Taurus's head is made up of lots of red stars that kind of form a triangle that represents the bull's head, known as the Hades. And it's actually a cluster, so it's a Hades cluster of red stars. So if you can find this triangle just below Mars to the left, the comet's around there somewhere. This again is a great group of stars to see with binoculars, or even your eyes. You can see it with just your eyes out in the sky. So I really hope you do get out to see it and have a little look. Now last but not least for the comet, on the 18th it's now going to fly pretty much parallel to a line of stars that often represents Orion the hunter's bow or an animal skin that's kind of draped over his arm. So you actually watch it move down and past these stars for the next five days or so. So if you look at Orion itself, the constellation, they'd be like an outstretched arm where obviously said he's holding a bow or something like that. There's about four or five stars that go straight down there from that and that's where it's going to be going down from there. So you have got quite a bit of time, quite a while to go out and actually see it throughout the month and lots of different places and lots of objects that you can use to find the object and then use that to maybe star hop or jump or look around the area to actually find the comet. So I do really wish you all good luck and I know everyone's been talking about the comet. I've not seen it myself yet, I'm not going to lie. I haven't really gone out to look. <laughs> I've been on jury service so most of my time has been taken up by other things but fingers crossed we can get out and see it. Now, on to just a few of the highlights of the month. On the 5th, we've got a nice full moon at Apogee, which is known as the Micro Moon. It's actually where the moon is furthest away from Earth in its orbit around us. It's called this generally when a full or new moon reaches this point. 
it can look around 14% smaller and less bright than the opposite, which is known as a supermoon. So although we may not notice it unless you've actually taken pictures or you know you've been looking for a while, it's going to be slightly smaller, 14%. That's quite a bit to be fair, but we probably won't really notice it if you're just looking by eye. Again, on the fifth as well, Mars is actually by the star we just spoke about, or Debran or Aldebaran. They're quite close to each other. It's like two nice, really red objects in that sort of area at the moment. It has been there a while. It's moving slowly in the sky, Mars is. And it's going to be sort of above right of the bright star. It's going to make like a triangle with the bright star cluster. And then there's the Pleiades there as well, a blue cluster of stars visible by eye. And as I said, fantastic in binoculars. So that whole area of sort of the Hades and Taurus the ball, especially when the comet gets there later on, you've got loads of cool things you can have a look at, sea miles and things like that. Now, if we move on to the ninth, the moon is actually out of the way for a while now. So that's a great time to get out and try and find the comet. And the ninth onwards, the moon's kind of out of the way and it's down by the sun out of the way. It means it's going to be darker skies. And while its brightness isn't washing out things like galaxies and nebulas, it's definitely worth going out to see them. If you haven't seen things like the Orion Nebula yet, just under the Hunter's Belt of three stars, it's great to see. The Andromeda Galaxy is still up as well, which is a really nice, good spot to see. That's kind of to the right of Orion's Belt. And as I said, if you're out looking for the comet, the next few days is probably the best time to get out there and try and find it while the moon is out the way. Go for it and I wish you luck. Moving on to the 16th. We spoke about it last month. The moon kind of wobbles as it goes around in orbit. So it gives you another chance to sort of peek around the edges of the moon for that mare, the orientale. So when the moon's at li libration, I nearly said liberation. I said liberation last time. You can't liberate the moon. So if you missed it last month, tonight... You can have a look at the sort of left hand side of the moon and you'll see like a little kind of like there's a mare there that kind of sticks out a little tiny bit. If you Google it, it's really cool. Have a little read of it, have a little look of it and see if you can find it on the edge of the moon. Moving on to the 22nd, you're going to see Jupiter, Venus and the moon in the evening sky because the moon's now creeping back up to us. As the sun sets, there's going to be a really awesome grouping of these celestial objects. They will be quite low. Bright Venus is really bright. You can't miss it. There's going to be a lovely crescent moon there just to the left of the Goddess of Beauty. And in between her and the gas giant is where the moon will be. So you'll get to see Jupiter as well. So there's a couple of planets and a really cool moon to see in the evening sky. We move on to the 26th. The moon is actually near the bright blue cluster now that we spoke about earlier, the Pleiades in uh, Taurus the Bull. So that again is going to be a really cool sight there. You're going to have Mars, the Hades of these red old stars, these Pleiades, bright blue sort of new stars that have just been born. It's got a real contrast of colours and cool celestial objects in that sort of area. So pop out and have a look. On the 27th, Jupiter and Venus are actually starting to close in on each other in the night sky, getting closer and closer and closer as sort of Jupiter moves to the right and Venus is climbing up in the sky towards it. They're going to reach their closest point on the 1st of March when they get quite close together in the sky. So you can actually watch over the next few nights as the two planets slowly get closer and closer and closer and closer each evening and then have a really cool conjunction on the 1st where they're at their closest. So definitely worth popping out for a few nights and having a look and seeing how closer they're getting each night. Last but not least, on the 28th, the moon is actually going to then move past Mars in the night sky. So it's going to be slipping from its right the night before over to its left. So the moon slips from the left each night a little bit each time. So you can actually watch it getting brighter and moving to the left backwards for the rest of the month. So it's really all kind of about this sort of like Taurus-y area and Auriga area with the comet and Mars and the moon and all sorts of things going on there. Don't forget that you can access the show notes for this sky guide on the dedicated page for this episode. Just click on the little button at the bottom of the page that says explore this episode. 
Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.weebly.com. That's spanheadproductions.weebly.com. As always, I'd like to thank Ross Hockham for taking time out to record his Sky Guide. Don't forget to join John, Ross, Will and myself, Mark Taylor, for the all-new TGP Nominal on the first weekend of March. Thanks for listening, stay safe one and all, and I'll speak to you all again real soon. Clear skies, guys, and remember, there's a billion worlds in your back garden. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. If you want to get in touch with us, then... Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com, where your input is our output. Or click the social media icons at the top left of the page over at tgpnominal.weebly.com. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. And you can listen to me going solo, bringing you the latest in movies and home theater for regular people in the Widescreen podcast over at widescreen.org. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.